Welcome back to the Weighing In Podcast, presented by Track Wrestling, episode number 99. I'm your host, Alex Steen, and with me as always, David Mirakutani. David, how are things? 99, man. We're going to have to do something special next week. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, you're the only one that's been here for all 99, so uh, <laughs> it'll be up to you. I'm, I'm a newcomer by, by comparison. The irony of me being the one in the committed relationship is not lost. <laughs> <laughs> We won't go too deep into that. This is a family show, but yeah. yeah, it's been fun though. I've learned a lot from both you guys, man. So it's been really good. Well, I've been glad so. to be here since I jumped on and we're almost to a hundred. That's, that's pretty cool. No matter how you slice it. Uh, we'll get, yeah, to- it's, you know, yeah, it's definitely been a cool ride. And you know, learning from guys like you and Andy, I was talking to somebody earlier today about just, you know, people look at the sport from different angles. I mean, I look at it as a guy that wrestles and a guy that has coached and still coaches. And I just feel like I'm almost a trespasser on the journalistic side of things where guys like you and Andy that actually write and do these kind of things and are real journalists, your perspective is so much different. I mean, and I remember being with you in Oklahoma and we're talking about storylines and things like that. And so it's been really cool to learn from guys like you. I really enjoyed it for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, you know me, I don't really, cons- I am a journalist, but you know, I have a computer science degree and I would never really set out to do this. So I'm kind of still learning that part of it as well. But, you know, I, I sit here and look at things from various perspectives because, you know, I've been an athlete, I've been a coach, I've even been an official at, for brief times and, you know, and now I do the journalistic side. So I'm, I agree with you on the you just look at it, things completely differently depending on your role. So now a lot of times I'll hear these things and I have differing opinions based on which hat I'm looking at it through. So very cool and always glad to get your perspective on things. And it'll be interesting to see where we go next week. Um, this <laughs> The only thing we know for sure is we're going to get to 149 next week. Everything else is up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we, we don't have a big event this week to, to nail down for sure. So we'll have to see what comes up. Uh, someone needs to make some news. Good news, hopefully. Right, for sure. This week, well, and we're creeping on it. Next week will be October, so I mean that that now it's like college season is right around the corner, you know. It is coming fast, and and we're seems to be getting more news every day about you know who's moving weights, who's you know came out today that Sam Stoll is going to be suspended for the first duel of the year, which I think most of us expected him to be, something like that. Um, but the way they're talking, it sounds like his health is good, which that's nice. And, um, you know, that kind of stuff will keep creeping out. They'll start looking at who's going to start the year in red shirt and who's not. Um, we'll probably do for one or two announcements like that soon. Um, but it's coming fast. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, you know, if you're – the worlds which we're going to get into, I mean, it's so – that level of wrestling is so high, but – there's and it's where the journalistic stuff comes in. There's not the storylines, you know. Like we're in college, all year you're like, okay, Zahid Mark Hall is an example, you know, those kind of things. You know, Miles Martin, you know, Bo Nickel Part Seven or whatever it was, like those kind of stories. Like Adam Coon Snyder, you know, one, two, and three, those kind of things. So, uh, and that's what people really, you know, get excited about is like, and you know, that's why guys like me or new or nerd now like taking point spreads and stuff like that because it's we think we know and the reason why we think we know is because we've seen it before and we get to think about it all the time and that's just a lot different so um 
it's it's very very different so yeah it's going to be cool for sure and it's amazing because we do think we know despite the fact that every year we make our picks and turns out we don't know it's it's amazing how we continue to be optimistic that this year we're going to know so this year mine are right though so we're good oh of course (laughs) (laughs) so We'll get to 141 pounds this week, uh, but first we want to talk about the Junior World Championships that wrapped up. Uh, It was a great week of wrestling. Uh, The UWW Championships, now that they're on a two-day format, it kind of provides for some storylines. You you get through the semifinals on the first day, and then you come back the next day for repshage, bronze medal matches, and, of course, gold medal matches. And that overlapping with the next day, group of wrestlers makes for a very interesting cadence to a tournament um, started with Greco then women's freestyle then wrapped up with men's freestyle team USA had kind of a mixed bag of results uh, we'll start with Greco then move to women's freestyle and then wrap up with men's freestyle as that's how they went um, if you were with us last week we talked a little bit about Greco talked about Kamal Bay and Andrew Barry to reach in the finals he took a silver medal Colton Schultz had a bronze medal um, Kamal Bay ended up fifth it's the same, you know, I think we, it seems like every time we talk about Greco, we talk about, well, it's a step forward. And then we talk about, it's, you know, the downside with it being wrestled in the U.S. But I, I was really struck by the differing styles of these guys. You know, we talked about when D'Angelo Hancock beat the world champion, that was a huge victory. And it was really good because it was positive Greco wrestling. It was wide open. He went out, grabbed the guy, threw him on his back and pinned him. And that's what we like to see. But as we saw with Kamal Bay, when that doesn't work, it fails spectacularly. And he was beaten 7-1 to and 8-1 to because his style is to go out there and go for it. He's not going to lose 2-1 to on, you know, a passivity point. So he's going for it. And when it doesn't come off, it doesn't look as good. Um, Berriesa, on the other hand, you know, he wins 4-1, to 3-0, 2-2 to get into the finals, uh, where he ran into a Russian, looked a little overmatched in that one. But he's a world silver medalist. So that's kind of the, the battle that we're fighting with Greco is how do we get these guys that are wide open, that wrestle the style that is the most attractive. How do we get them to have the success? Now, obviously Bay had a great year last year, junior world champion. So he has had plenty of success, but when you see those scores, it's concerning for Greco when you see those guys winning that aren't going to the wide open style, I think. It is, and but part of that is just the fact. I mean, this is this is kind of sound like an obvious statement, but part of it is you just can't grab anybody's legs. It just makes it hard to score. So, I mean, you're you're kind of stuck, right? Like, you know, what's going to happen here? Like, how do you make this? You know, they've tried to do it in freestyle. They tried to, you know, open up the sport and make it where you know, to reward risk-taking. I think that's what everybody wants to see, right, is reward risk-taking. And I think, you know, because one of the truest statements I ever heard anybody say about coaching is someone will always coach guys to the rules. And and that's it. Like, if you're way better than me and I can just hang out and keep it close, whether it's freestyle, folk style, Greco, tiddlywinks, that's what I'm going to do. And if I'm if I'm better than you, but it doesn't, but taking risks, you know, it, there's no reward to it, then I might just hang out and rely on the referee or the coin toss or whatever the case may be. So 
you know, I think that's the, the, the macro problem with Greco is how do you change it so that risk is rewarded? And I think that's, that's a difficult ask. So I'm not, I don't have the answer, but it, it needs to, they need to make it happen, even if it doesn't benefit the United States. And I mean, and I don't mean this sarcastically, but it's not like it could really hurt us. It's not like we're racking up a lot of world medals now, but something just to make it more watchable. Because I think that's what we want as a country. You know, as if you love the sport, that's what you want. Is you want people to watch it more. Right. And I think you know, you talk about you can't grab legs, and obviously it is an obvious statement, but it makes everything tougher. It makes it harder to judge who's being the aggressor in a lot of these matches because it is very technical as to, you know, how to set things up. It makes it easier for guys that want to slow matches down and make it low scoring to do that because there are less avenues for attack. Obviously it also makes for some highlight reel material when somebody does get something because you can't just grab a leg and block the throw. I mean, you can, but you get penalized for it. So, <laughs> right. You know, it's, it's good and bad, but yeah, it's, you know, it's funny when United World Wrestling changed the rules again and we're talking about they were going to penalize negative wrestling in Greco. You know, it's it seems like we've gone through several iterations of that where they they can identify the problem, but getting consistent enforcement from the officials and focusing on the right thing seems to be very hard for them. And, you know, it's it's not an easy thing because, you know, you can have – People who really know Greco watch the same matches and they come away thinking different things about who is aggressive and who wasn't and who should have been penalized and who wasn't. So it's very difficult. Um, you know, overall, a solid performance for our team. Three guys in the top five, two, two medals. That's good for us in Greco. And, you know, we'll hopefully take a next step forward. We'll obviously see Barry Asa at Cornell, Colton Schultz at Arizona State, and Kamal Bay will continue to wrestle senior level stuff, um, and they'll keep going. Um, well, and, and and before we close the chapter on that, Scott Green posted or tweeted, and I retweeted it because it was directly to a conversation I'd had with Cornell Robinson. Um, we were talking about, you know, Savion Severado and his style versus uh, some of the guys he's competed against in the United States. And uh, Coach Green had posted that the American officials need to watch how Greco is refereed overseas and that overseas they're rewarding risk taking much more and you know that's another if that's i saw it i mean i didn't watch every single match but i saw enough to see yeah this is a trend you know this is an issue and that's a gigantic problem right like it's you know it's almost like i mean it's like anything like you're running with ankle weights and i'm not or you know you're swimming the 100 meters and i'm swimming the 200 like, it's not the same sport if they're not refereeing it the same way. So, I mean, that's a, that's a real issue, too, as well. Absolutely. And I think maybe next week, when if we don't have something else to talk about, we can talk about the officiating problem with getting numbers of officials out, getting quality, and across three styles in the U.S. That's that's a whole another conversation, but it, it shows up a lot in Greco because – we only have so many officials and they're, you know, doing other styles more often than not. So moving on. Yeah, for sure. yeah moving on to women's freestyle. Uh, Macy Kilty was the highlight. I mean, there's no other way to say it, really. We had, uh, she was the only medalist. 
uh, finished second, uh, got a silver medal. I mean, obviously, if you were following the results this summer, she is the cadet world champion already, goes to juniors as still cadet eligible, reaches the finals, and then she lost to the Russian. Uh, you know, Kilty is great to watch because she's very aggressive. Yeah, I think it was it was either her first match against Sweden, who was a tough opponent, or her semifinal against China. I don't remember which one it was, but they restarted in the middle with five seconds left in the first period, and she was already well ahead, uh, you know, pretty comfortably. It would have been easy just to kind of let that five seconds run off the clock, and instead, immediately at the whistle, she advances, goes heavy hands. She didn't get anything out of it, but it was like she's not even going to waste that time, which I thought was just telling because that's how she wrestled the whole tournament. Uh, great job by her, finishing obviously with the silver medal, and obviously going to have three more years of junior eligibility. So that's really cool to see. Yeah, she was impressive. You know, I, and I don't want to dismiss what she did. It was just shocking that that was the only medalist, right? Like, right. I mean, you know, and, and I, you know, you could, we all have recency bias, right? Like whatever we see, we tend to think about it. And I was just at the Olympic training center and watched, you know, the girls combined team and, you know, got to sit with coach Steiner and him explaining about their process and the big donation infusion of cash they'd received. And you just start thinking like, Hey, besides the Japanese, you know, we, we may as a country have, you know, the second best team in the world. And then, I mean, to me, that of the all three styles of everything that happened, that was the most shocking result to me. Just that we had one medalist as a country. Right. I, I mean, I think when you look at, you know, some of the other ladies that we sent, I mean, Alex Lyles is a monster. Jay Lorenz got a ton of talent. You know, Brenda Rain has been around, you know, she's very tough. We just up and down the lineup, you had people that you looked at when they, you know, were drawn into the field and said, yeah, they could medal. And then you had to have one end up with a medal that it's a little disappointing. And, you know, women's freestyle in general, our entire program has been, struggling a little bit this summer. Um, but part of that is lofty expectations because we know how good they have been. So uh, obviously Alicia Houck finished fifth and really came, I mean, a fraction of a second away from winning her semifinal match and giving us another medal. Uh, if you didn't see it, she got in on a take. She down, it was 6-6, six, six, I believe, because the failed challenge at the end made it 7-6. to six. She got in late on a takedown attempt, couldn't get the knees down, got a lace, and actually ended up taking her taking her opponent over, but it, the clock ran out. Uh, it was a little bit controversial. I know the U.S. corner thought they had the points, um, didn't expose within the time, but she was definitely rotating, so needed a fraction of a second there, um, and then lost her bronze medal match. So, you know, it's, it can be that close on some of these things. You know, I know the uh, Diamond Guilford wrestled under 23, I believe the under 23 world champion from last year, definitely was a, at least a medalist. I'm trying to remember offhand, but in the first round, she wrestled her. Okay. Got beat, but then you expect to get pulled back in. And then that, that wrestler got beat. So it's, that's the kind of margins we're talking. Sometimes it just doesn't go your way. And then, you know, you do that up and down the lineup. So it's kind of surprising, but you know, that's, that's international wrestling for you. That's right. Yeah, 100% for sure on that. I mean, the mar- like you said, the margin is really slim. So it's, it's uh, I mean, and if you've coached at that level or, you know, you, you've 
train guys at that level, like it, the, the split second of relaxing, like Severato a year ago, I was in the corner, he was wrestling Malik Heinzelman. He's wrestling great. I mean, he's, he's not killing him, but he's really wrestling well and controlling him. And with about 15 seconds left in the period, kind of relaxes, Heinzelman takes him down and laces him twice. Or, and so it's like, it's super quick. Like he went from being up two to down four. And you know, people are like, well, you just got to get it back. Well, that guy's good. That's hard to get back. Like, I mean, Malik Heinzelman is legit as hell. So you're not just going to like, okay. And I mean, he, he made a, an adjustment in the match to take away what, what Savion did really well. And, you know, we talked afterwards and, you know, we just, you, and it's the same stuff you always get coached on. You got to wrestle through the end of the period. You got to wrestle through the whole thing. But those, those situations like that are, you, you have to, it's just tough because the like to use your phrase, the margin of error is so slight that, you know, anything can happen like that. So, you, you know, that, and sometimes that's what you get from wrestling at these tournaments once or twice is you get that experience. It doesn't matter what a coach tells you. You kind of, you know, I always joke, you have to touch the stove and realize it's hot and burn yourself on your own. And then the next time you won't do that. There's definitely a lot of that to it. Um, you know, it doesn't matter how often you tell somebody something until you've really experienced. Sometimes you, you need that to drive it home. Um, and some of the, some of our men's freestyle team learned that lesson a little bit this, this week as well. Um, overall, a pretty solid performance, five medalists, one champion, uh, finished second to a dominant performance by Russia in the team race. Uh, but a lot of surprising results to go through it real quick. Uh, Makai Lewis was our only world champ junior world champion this year. Uh, really impressive. His third freestyle tournament ever. And he runs the table and wins it all. That's pretty amazing. Um, Aaron Brooks and Zach Elam both reached the final and ended up with silver medals. And then um, Dayton Fix, Brady Berge, and yes, that that was it. Those two for bronze got bronze medals. So obviously surprising that Fix, you know, defending world junior world champion finishes third. Um, Gable Stevenson got thrown and pinned and not pulled back into the repechage, so he didn't place. Um, Jacob Warner lost his first match six to six and was not pulled back in the repechage. So some very surprising results on the positive side and some surprising results on the negative side as well. Yeah. And I mean, let, let's, let's just go do it like light to heavy. Is that okay? So we don't miss anything. Sure. So we start with Dayton six bronze medal at 57 kilos. Yeah. I think, you know, obviously we all know how good Dayton is. I think what's, you know, encouraging about him is he lost and then wrestled hard on the back, right? And, you know, it's not surprising at all, but it is encouraging because a lot of other guys wouldn't have that same mental makeup and, you know, might, might cast their chips in. So, um, you know, I think now is, you know, the date and fix question is, well, wait, right? Like you made, you know, 57 different weigh-in, but I mean, two-day weigh-ins and all that. So to me, all the conjecture that he's going to go 33. I mean, and I could be dead wrong on this, but he's not real tall at all. And if he's going to try to make the Olympic or the world team in 19 and get himself set up for the Olympic team in 20, he's going 
57 kilos. So I don't know why you would wrestle up the whole year. I think it just defeats the purpose of what you're trying to do. I'm with you on that. And if you saw the, his semifinal loss to the Indian wrestler, uh, it was again, it looked to me a lot like his matches against Thomas Gilman, where he gets a guy who's a little bit longer, strong enough to hold him off. And he struggles to find his offense in neutral that way. Uh, so to me, that says 33 might be asking a lot of him. Now, obviously, if Nick Piccinini is not big enough to wrestle 133, then it's probably better for the team for Fix to go 33. But you're right. I think if you're going to make a run at 57 kilos long term, which I have to believe that's what Fix has in mind, you have to go 25 if you're trying to set yourself up for an ideal run. Um, now, you could go 33, but you're not going to be able to get big enough to be a full-size 133 and then cut back down to 57 under the new format. Or, or you or you do, right? Somehow he lifts and gets up to 33, and now he just has misery for the four weeks or however many weeks it is from the end of nationals to the U.S. Open. I just don't know with the two-day format if you can do that anymore because, you know, this year you get two kilos on the second way, and next year you have to weigh in flat both days. And that's, well, I'm in agreement with you. I'm just yeah. kind of pointing out the devil's advocate if somebody's like, well, you could do this. Like, well, sure. I mean, you can. can. Yeah. You could always do it. I, <laughs> don't know, I don't know that that's a recipe for success, though. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think we're, yeah, we're in agreement on that, obviously. So, so yeah, we'll see. He said, he said in an interview that he had, that, that had not been decided yet, so we'll we'll take him at his word. He's been well rehearsed in Stillwater, trust me. Oh, I, I'm 100% sure that he was ready for that question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I asked him about it when I was down at Hall of Fame and kind of backdoored asked him, and um, but he was fu- he was funny. He was ready for sure. So, so moving anyway, to our next medalist, 70 kilos, Brady Berge, uh, finished with a bronze medal, lost in the second round to the Russian, but the Russian made the finals, so he's pulled back in and then won two on the back um, to finish with a bronze medal. Solid day for him. Uh, You know, and it was unfortunate the way it ended. You know, his third-place match was one-to-one with both being the shot clock points. I'm sure it's not the way he wanted to win after his, you know, he would teched his way to get there in the repchage. So, uh, but, you know, sometimes you got to win like that. You're not going to blow everybody out. Yeah, it was interesting. I got a chance to talk to Eric Guerrero this morning. I think, just, I think he just got back in the U.S., I mean, maybe yesterday. And he had a really interesting take on it. He said, you know, that for years, like, probably the most offense, the most of scores came from, uh, you know, probably head inside singles, head outside singles, whatever you want to call them, you know, high crotch sweeps, whatever. And then uh, go behind. And he goes, I, he goes, I saw him it a crazy high number of arm drags and he goes and there he goes the the foreigners use underhooks really well and he goes you know we don't practice underhooks we're we're practicing stance and position he goes and when you're practicing stance and position and you're moving your feet because you know somebody puts you in an underhook and you're not used to that he goes he goes i don't know if it's intentional to beat our style our country he goes but it's it's that is the result of what's happening. So I think it, you know, like he was there coaching Don Bemis. I mean, we skipped over Don, we skipped over Josh Saunders. 
and you know um you know I've had a chance to you know talk to Josh too and you know talked about what a learning experience that was so I think it's just it's a different game and that that's the one weird thing and clearly folk style doesn't hurt us as a country because if nothing else the grind of the season and of the training and everything makes up for not wrestling the same style but there's no doubt that some of the intricacies I mean how often do you hear a coach say well he just got freestyled like once he knows better he's not you know like that's a verb that coaches use so that's interesting from a guy as smart as Eric to say something like that yeah, and I noticed that. I mean, uh, Mikhail Lewis's opponent in the finals tried to do uh, uh, some arm drags, and he would basically just bail out um, rather than engage at, at that point. He would just cut loose um, to avoid it. it you know, obviously, we've seen Iran make a living with their underhook series for years. Um, you're going to get some of that anyway, but I definitely think there's some, hey, the United States guys get uncomfortable when we do this. Why don't we do it a little bit more? So. Um, I'm sure our coaches will make it, make those notes and make adjustments, but obviously when you're at the junior level, it's a little different um, with a little less access to these guys. You just kind of have to rely on getting them in a training camp and teaching them what to do for that tournament. And then we'll work on it down the road. Right. That's correct. But then, you know, like I, I can only think of a guy like Josh because, you know, that's the guy I get to actually put my hands on. It's like, Josh doesn't need to have to be great at clearing underhooks to win state or probably even to be competitive at the Ironman, you know, which is kind of the biggest tournaments, those kind of guys, you know, that schedule wrestles, right? So there's certain, it's like defending lace or, or taking a guy down and landing in the lace. Like that's a completely different uh, habit or skill set that you're creating than, you know, when this other stuff's going on. So it's, to me, it's very intriguing, you know, how good coaches blend that stuff together. Right. And especially now with under 23 worlds and with the RTCs, um, the college programs are going to have to blend that more and more because you're always going to have guys not with different priorities, but just trying to blend those and get the best of both worlds. I think that's a good word to use. So multiple priorities for sure. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So moving up to the next weight, Makai Lewis, um, registered at Virginia tech last year, uh, saw him at the Southern Scuffle, and it was immediately apparent that he was going to be a good one. Third freestyle tournament ever. He wrestled in Vegas. He wrestled at the trials to make the team, and then he went and won the world championship. Had basically <laughs> untested to the finals. Um, the the moment of the tournament for me, for especially from Mikhail Lewis's perspective. He's up three to one in the finals. You can see the Azerbaijani kind of getting, he's, he's doing the thing with, that a lot of the Europeans do where they kind of wind up the pace. You know, he, he needs a score. If he can get the two point score late, he can win the match. So he's starting to, starting to ratchet it up a little bit and he's going to come at it and he gets to the leg. They're going towards the out of bounds. Lewis is fighting it. And suddenly when just when you're thinking, okay, just give up the one and you'll be okay, you'll still be in the lead, he somehow finds a way to plant and just chucks the guy out of bounds for and gets his own point. Uh, and then he added on a point when the when his opponent kind of uppercutted him, kept his cool with that. So that was kind of the moment. It was like, okay, maybe this is going to be really close. No, he's going to win it. So that was awesome to see. 
uh, very cool moment. And, you know, winning in your third one, that just shows sometimes wrestling's wrestling. Wrestling's wrestling, yeah. Um, I talked to a lot of college coaches this spring, and, I mean, I'm friends with Tony Roby, Roby and I've had him and Freyer both on the show, and they were deservedly super high on Lewis. But, you know, you wonder as a guy doing the interviews, like, well, how much – how much is their their optimism about Lewis based on their he's their guy, and how much of it is this guy is the truth? And you know, I was watching the matches, and I was I messaged Eric. I'm like, that kid is legit, and he's going to be a serious problem for some people. I really believe that. I think you know he's just you talk about his composure, and his composure is is evident but it's also really important because you you wrestle a kid who's maybe a better athlete than you and that's one of the ways you try to beat him is right like you try to get into their head and you try to screw them up a little bit try to get him to think wrong and i mean you know i mean i watched him wrestle marinelli and he's clearly more athletic than marinelli he's a guy and the phrase a lot of coaches use and I used to use is can he get the legs and he can get the legs when he needs to. So he's never out of a match. Like if you're losing or he's losing by two points with 30 seconds left, you know, he's going to get to that guy's legs. He's not like some of us that were slow and just kind of needed the other guy to make a mistake in his head, hands defense or something to be able to take a guy down. It's like, no, he's going to get to your legs. You're going to have to find a way out of that. Cause that guy is, He's a serious problem, man. Like, and I, you know, I'm probably a little like you where you start thinking ahead. Like I always thought this and it turned out to be right that uh, the style that Vincenzo Joseph had was a bad matchup for Isaiah Martinez guy that one guy likes underhooks and the other guy's actually better in the overhook. Well, I think Makai Lewis's style is not an ideal matchup for Vincenzo. Like, where he's fine in those tie-ups and he's really good in space, like really good in space. And so if that match gets wrestled in space, it's, it's potentially, you know, a match where, where the underdog could, could at least keep it close and, and potentially pull an upset off. Right. And I think you saw that in the finals a little bit. I mean, the Azerbaijani was clearly trying to crowd Lewis as much as he could. I think you're going to see that a lot in his D1 matches this year. Um, same kind of thing. So that'll be interesting to watch. Uh, the other thing I wanted to make before we move on with him, he hit a lace in the junior world championships. This is his third freestyle tournament ever. And he, he can lace guys at this level. Uh, so to me, that tells me we're going to see him continue to learn and add facets to his game. I mean, obviously he's been doing folk style a lot longer. So his game there is more developed, but we might see, you know, we see these college guys come out as, you know, redshirt freshmen. Most of them aren't a finished product, but some of them add more to their to their arsenal than others. I think we could see him add several things over the years and just become more and more dangerous. So that's something to look out for. For sure. Moving up to 79 kilos, Aaron Brooks, who was a cadet world champion last year, reached the finals this year and had an absolutely – Amazing, fun, entertaining, wild match with Hayato Ishiguro from Japan. Uh, Brooks actually ended up giving up an exposure 
very late to lose it 11 to 10, but it was a wild one. Both guys wrestled tremendously well. Um, Brooks obviously has to settle for the silver, uh, but another fine performance from him. Yeah, he's going to be special, right? I mean, like, I don't think any of us are, you know, way out on the limbs and he's a really good wrestler. You know, like, I, mean, I just, I don't think there's much to say. Like he's, his learning curve is really high. He's, you know, his athleticism is, you know, insane. And he's just a guy that is going to continue to grow. So, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if he's 74 or 84 in college. I mean, Penn State tends to have those guys not cut a ton of weight. So I could see him at 84. And um, Penn State doesn't have a ton of depth in the upper weights once a couple of these guys graduate, like Hall and uh, and Nichols. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens there. But he's he's the truth. He's another kid that's awfully special. Right. He's going to OTC for another year. So that'll be, you know, he'll get even better at freestyle. And I'm sure he has designs on junior world gold next year. Uh, so that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. Uh, jumping up to 97 kilos. You know, last summer we had a lot of this and we have it again this summer. Zach Elam gets the call not long before the junior world championships when Kirkfleet is ruled out with an injury and he goes out there, makes the finals and finishes second to possibly the best wrestler in the tournament. Magomedov from Russia has just been on a tear and has really good, you know, even on the senior level. So we knew that was going to be a tough match, but man, Elam looked good all tournament long. Missouri boy, Missouri boy. Um, I love his family. I, I love his dad, Brian, his brother, Rocky. I think I told you last week, Zach wrestled in, in our event and, you know, was probably the best kid in the event and, and couldn't have been nicer was yes, sir. No, sir. Like, thank you for having me. And not, like that Eddie Haskell stuff, but like real genuine, just, just the nicest kid in the world. So I think, you know, like us in Missouri, we were happy that guys like Zach and Josh, you know, got the call and, you know, and, you know, obviously Zach took complete advantage of it. And and I think it kind of deservedly. So for people that don't think of him, I feel like he should be in that group of these young going to be heavyweights with that you know that class that's going to be so special here we think for the next you know four five six years because he's going to get better and he's actually really good at folk style like he's a nightmare on top of cradles like like that dude is legit so um real proud of him and it, and it also kind of shows you how good Kirkfleet is because Kirkfleet beat Jack 10-0 so I mean it's that that whole thing is, is awesome and kind of crazy at the same time you know Absolutely. You know, it's, it's funny. I remember watching Elam at, at Fargo in 2017 and I, you know, I interviewed him after he won. And so I've kind of had this vision of him in in my head. And then I saw him coming to the mat on the stream. He's gotten so much bigger in a little over a year. I can only imagine what he's going to be looking like at heavyweight when Missouri's ready to put him in the lineup. Uh, you know, he's just, his trajectory, I almost didn't recognize him. It's, it was amazing to me. Um, so to see that and to see his progression as a wrestler, I, it's got to make Brian Smith and his crew happy. And, you know, yeah, I think he's got to be in that conversation as a possible, uh, you know, and just add to the heavyweight madness over the next several years. Cause you know, some of those guys, somebody's going to end up, 
you know, the, the dominant force and he's going to be right in that, in that mix. He's got to be in the conversation. Um, we were doing head count of those guys and we're, I don't want to miss anybody, but you know, I was thinking about like Kirkfleet one, I'm just counting numbers, not like number one and two, Kirkfleet, Gable Stevenson, Cassiope, Mason Paris, Colton Schultz, uh, Singletary, uh, Nevels, Elam. That's eight guys, yeah. right? Okay, one of those guys is going to take eight. <laughs> well, yeah, that's yeah, that's ignoring everybody else in the country. Like that's just, right, right, right. Which is which is no disrespect, but I mean, like, just on that level, somebody's going to take eight, which is just freaking insane, right? And considering we've seen in recent history that you know 184s and 197s that decide they don't want to cut weight anymore and bulk up to 230, 240 can be crazy successful at that weight. Like that's 285 is going to be just a ton of fun to watch over the next five or six years. That's going to be incredible. I agree. It's, but I mean, that's, and you're right. We're ignoring guys, but I mean, we're just, you know, reading the headlines, so to speak. Right. Right. Well, I, and, to me, that just, that, that, that's the point is like, you have eight that you can identify. And that's before we even talk about guys coming out of nowhere or surprising or guys we thought were going to be different ways. It's just that eight already makes it a, an incredible weight class and it's only going to get better. And even just like not even out of nowhere, we're just talking about the blue chip guys, like the five-star recruits, you know, to use like a football term, like there's four-star guys out there that are pretty damn good that just we're not mentioning, you know? So like, I mean, we're saying it the same, the same thing, maybe a different way. It's just super, it's intriguing, man. You know, like, you know, and then I, you know, I, I sound like a homer cause like I tell all my boys, I'm like, man, keep an eye on Elam. That dude is legit. And, uh, you know, he definitely proved that this weekend. Yeah. I mean, I think coming into it, you know, you mentioned his losses to Kirk fleet, you know, he, I don't think he got talked about in that group necessarily. He was on the fringes maybe. Uh, but yeah, this performance, you got to say, well, he's another one. Uh, definitely proved every, everybody that doubted him wrong. Um, and like I said, Mega Madoff, who we lost to in the finals, I've, I heard plenty of people that follow that guy already wondering if, Kirkfleet could even beat him. So that's the level he was on, and he proved to be that good. He's the real deal. Russia had an incredible tournament, and, you know, he was – that's what you get sometimes in the junior world. Sometimes you get a senior-level type guy that's that good already. So right. no shame in that loss at all. For sure. So, I mean, you know, we we talked about the medalists. Obviously, we were missed if we didn't talk about Gable Stevenson. You know, it's kind of a guy that – he's won so much and so often that it's just, it's almost shocking to see him lose. Um, and then to see him not pulled back into the repechage was just kind of a, a double gut punch for those that were hoping team USA could make a run at the team title again. Um, basically what happened is the Uzbekistan wrestler came out with a game plan to go upper body, tried it once and put himself on his back, but Stevenson couldn't quite get the fall. And then the second time he nailed it and pin Stevenson in 142, and that was that. Um, you know, sometimes that's going to happen. Uh, you know, nobody's going to go undefeated forever. Uh, just it's unfortunate that it happened on this stage. It is, but – and Gable Stevenson is a way better wrestler than I ever was, but it was a weird mistake. Like, it's kind of ironic because I was at a, doing a seminar this weekend with my dad, and he was teaching – 
you know, a lot of judo kind of things. We're doing a gi seminar and it's, you know, like we talked about outside, outside post. And I see this mistake all the time. And it just shocks me that either guys are not coached better or they're, they're coached well and they don't understand it, but you can't, you can't have a bear hug and inside trip to either side because if you fall, unless the guy falls flat on his back, if you fall on your side, the guy with the two outside hooks, the outside leg hook and the outside arm hook is going to win. It's just gravity. And so, like, it was it was just ironic that a guy of that level, you know, and he put himself in that hole. Like, you're absolutely right. The first time that guy, you know, went for a pretty low percentage lateral drop and didn't get it. And, you know, but I was just, I mean, I knew, I watched the replay, so I knew he was going to lose, but I was like, wow, what a, like, just what a weird way to lose, I think, maybe is what I'm trying to say. It was just really surprising. Yeah, I I agree with you. And obviously, you know, that judo and, you know, that kind of stuff better than I do. So, uh, but, you know, it's funny, I think, and I don't know what his mindset was and why he thought he could do that right then and not. I mean, obviously he's, you know, shown himself to have great wrestling instincts in the past. So, you know, that's, it's one of those things we'll never know exactly, but sometimes I think those guys that are so good and he's such a good athlete. I mean, we've all seen the video of him doing a round off and doing backflips all over the place and kicking the ceiling, that kind of stuff. Like he can do things that most people can't. I kind of wonder sometimes that's probably something he's gotten away with in the past against somebody that's not as good, doesn't have the instincts and doesn't have the upper body proficiency as, as Uzbek obviously did. So maybe that's one of those things. He's probably been told not to do that, but kind of like you said before, until you've felt that sometimes maybe, Oh, I got away with it and I can just do that. And then it takes something like this to prove you, no, I can't, I got to be more technically sound there. So unfortunate again, like I said, I mean, he, multiple cadet world championships last year, won the juniors and, you know, he was kind of trending to be one of those all time legendary age group guys. So that's unfortunate. But one of the things I keep coming back to with international wrestling and that I don't think all the Americans, especially the ones that don't really follow the history of the freestyle and Greco um, theme. When you look at the legends of the sport, so many of them have tournaments like this where they got beat and didn't even medal. I mean, just for an obvious example that everybody knows, you know, Jordan Burroughs in 2016 at Rio, it happened. Right. I mean, there's so many of them. What John Smith did winning six in a row, that's very, very rare. I mean, we, t- we there's talk about guys that have won seven and eight world titles that have a year where they entered and didn't medal. So it happens. Um, obviously you don't like it when it happens to your guy, but it it happens. Yeah, again, this is on a smaller scale, but one of the interesting, when you're talking about, you know, hey, maybe Stevenson's gotten away with this before, you're probably right. One of the things is, like, in practice, a lot of times a coach will tell you, go ahead and wrestle the guy where he's better than your positions and situations because that's how you improve. But then when you get in a match, you know, you wrestle where you're better. I mean, MMA is almost an easier way to explain it because – it's, it's the the lines of different the lines of uh, differentiation are much greater. Like, okay, you're you're a good grappler and good at jujitsu. I'm good at striking. So if we stand and strike for 15 or 25 minutes, I'm going to win. If 
the fights on the ground, you're probably going to win. And so it's it, the the most obvious example of that is the Khabib-McGregor fight coming up, right? Like, I mean, and th- those are the skill sets. Khabib, you know, unbelievable grappler. Connor, great, great striker. And, you know, when people say, who's going to win? It's, I mean, it's, it's a sarcastic answer. It's like, where are they going to fight? If you tell me where they're going to fight, I can tell you who's going to win. And I think, you know, Gable, if they wrestle in anywhere but those scenarios, he wins the match. And sometimes you just, when you're really, part of being great is having a super high level of confidence. And sometimes you get super confident and just go, I'm going to beat you where you're best, Alex. Like, I'm not going to try to have a podcast up with you. I'm going to try to write articles with you, which would be a really bad idea. You know, but I have enough confidence. I think I can do that, even if it's crazy. And I think that's kind of what happened there. I really do. I think you just, you know. And you can't fault the kid for having a lot of confidence, but I think that's what happened. Yeah, and I mean, the great ones, when that happens, they go back, make make the adjustment, and I'm sure Gable will do that, and we'll see him likely on the mat this year uh, for the Gophers. So I'm sure he'll be fine, um, just be part of that great heavyweight class that we talked about. Yeah, and he's the headliner, obviously. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So we'll move on from Junior Worlds, um, about a month till Senior Worlds, and we'll get back to that. Uh, moving on to the D1 scene, we're breaking down a weight class per week. Uh, we got to 141 this this week, and it's it's a pretty interesting weight class. You know, I, I think it was one of the harder ones to make the top four picks, even though there are some names that should naturally be up there. It's kind of hard to get them in order because I think they all can beat each other, and I think they showed that. Uh, most of last year so it'll be interesting just running down the top 10 real quick you've got your defending champion Yanni Dakamahalis um, obviously had a knee injury had surgery but he is expected back uh, Joey McKenna from Ohio State Jaden Ironman from Missouri checks in at three Nick Lee of Penn State four Chad Red of Nebraska five Sedarian Perry now at Old Dominion sixth Brock Zachrell seventh at Clarion and Michael Carr of Illinois eighth uh, Mitch McKee moving up to 141 for Minnesota. He is ninth, and have Caden Gefeller slash Cade Brock in there at 10. Um, as we mentioned last week, Brock's in the rankings at 133 till confirmation that he's going to move up, which seems likely. So, um, what's your headline here, David? Well, it's a, you know a couple things. Like I originally had. Cade Brock at five if he moves up just based on, you know, we, we do as, you know, what I've always done in the past is an All-American. So until we know, I probably will rank Brock fifth at 141 just to give, again, each team the highest benefit of the doubt. But if you have back a one, a three, a four, a five, maybe a five from 133, a seven and an eight. Um, you you noted that Zachary is moving up, but then uh, Michael Carr and, and McKee are both around at 12 guys. And then, you know, you get – it gets interesting, you know, some of the younger, newer guys, you know, you like Mason Smith, you know, Luke Karam's a, a talented guy, um, you know, Josh Albert. You, you know, I'm just thinking of some of these guys that didn't have great tournaments. Uh, a guy like Demas is going to be a tough guy to rank because doesn't really have many college results, but the guy was in every – freestyle and Greco-Roman final you could you could find this summer so I feel like he deserves a top 25 ranking I don't know exactly where we're going to put him and people should also know we you know just to reiterate this that 17 through 25 is really 
the same in terms of team points. You're losing in the same round at nationals. It's it's all one team point. But you know, you also you know, we put down here some red shirts like Kanan Store or Joey Silva. You know, guys from Michigan and uh, yeah, yeah, Thomas and you know Brian Courtney and then. Um, I can't believe I'm drawing a blank right now. Ian, what's the kid's last name that's at Iowa State? Ian Parker. Yeah, Parker's legit, too. You know, I mean, there's a lot of guys here that, I mean, you know, no disrespect, but if Sedarian Perry didn't place, you know, after, you know, a less than 500 record, you know, that wouldn't surprise people. Cade Brock might be the best guy on his feet. Him and Micah Jordan are so good on their feet, but they just struggle on bottom. You know, if they they run into a guy who's really good on top, it presents problems. You know, as as good as some of these guys are, I feel like Yanni is you know pretty much the guy to beat here. I mean, he, he won it with a torn ACL, so you know, kind of feels like he's the guy if he if he doesn't have a torn ACL for sure, right? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, his one loss last year came against Ironman. South Beach duels. That was a match he was winning till late. And Ironman hit a big move. Now that's Ironman's mo, so you can't say that's not going to happen again. But he can definitely run the table this year if he's healthy. Um, I don't think that would surprise a lot of people. He's going to get matches. He's going to be challenged, but got to be the favorite. I, I kind of look at this as it looks like there's a kind of a top five. Um, I'd put Brock in there with Nick Lee and Jaden Ironman and Joey McKenna and Yanni. And then there's kind of a next level that includes a lot of different people that could be there. So, and, and I think you get, did a good job of, you know, running it down. I think uh, Kanan store is the guy I've got my eye on because he's obviously goes up to Michigan um, for whatever reason, he didn't like his training situation in Ames. So, you know, Sometimes when those guys get a new lease on life, you know, a new outlook, that's all it takes. We obviously know how talented he is. You know, his his results on the freestyle senior level circuit kind of prove that he can be right there. So he's an interesting one. And then, you know, even then guys like Chad Red, he'll start the season very high. Can he get in that top five? I don't know. Um, that's, you know, a lot of those guys will be looking to do it, you know, and we ran down the list of all those different people. You know, we don't know who's going to start for Iowa yet, so that'll be worth watching. But either one of those guys could be right there around the 12 types. So this is a deep weight class. But I think outside that top five, it's going to be hard for anybody to jump way up there. I agree. I agree for sure. I think it's uh, as opposed to the weight we're going to talk about next week, where I think is really wide open. Right. So. Yeah, for sure. So I think, are you going first on this one? Yeah, and I wish I wasn't because I, outside of the first one, I'm having a heck of a time settling. I had it written one way and then I didn't like that way. So I've, I've kind of, I don't know which way it's going to come out right now. Um, I definitely have Yanni defending his title and he's kind of proven to be, when you talk to the kid, you can just see how smart he is and how much he understands wrestling and then, yeah, he's pretty good athlete as well, so that helps. But, you know, he's got a deep understanding, and I, I'm sure if he's healthy, he's going to be in good shape to repeat. Second is hard. So here's my struggle. Ironman can beat anybody, but he's so wild that 
I have a hard time. It's so easy to see him getting picked off by somebody along the way. Um, and then McKenna's really solid. I don't think, I think Ironman has a better chance to beat the Akamahalas, but I think McKenna will beat Ironman if they match up. So I guess I have to go with McKenna second and Ironman third. I like K Brock fourth, um, which pains me because I, I hate to put Nick Lee outside the top four. He's, you know, he could be as high as second very easily. Um, but I think Brock moving up will help a little bit. I mean, you mentioned his struggles on bottom, so that's always a, a concern. But he can go, like I said, on his feet with all those guys. And I think moving up might help a little with those bottom, you know, issues just from a gas tank perspective. You know, you get different reports on how much he was cutting and how big he is exactly, but sometimes moving up is good for those guys, so we'll see. But I guess I'm going with Cade Brock fourth. Like I said, I like Nick Lee to make, take a step forward, but it's going to be – he could get better and still not finish ahead of any of those guys. So it's it's tough. Who are your wild cards? Uh, wild cards, I think, I mean, Kanan Store I mentioned, I think he's going to be an All-American this year, uh, which is quite a long way from where he is going to start the year just because of his results. And I think this is the Mitch McKee year. He's taken – Oh, my God. <laughs> we have the identical six picks. Oh, <laughs> We've I had my get, right on the sheet because I knew you weren't on the screen. It's uh, literally identical. Oh in order. But yeah, Mitch McKeith, you know, he's been he's taken so many losses his first couple of years that I think people forget how good he is. He's wrestled such tough schedules both years. Now he gets to move up a little bit, shake out, you know, sh not cut as much weight. I, I think he's the guy, and I think he's going to be on. I think he's an All American too. So. Uh, I guess we agree right, so on this. Let, let's do this. Well, those are our picks. Mine are identical. I don't think I need to say why. Okay. <laughs> so, I would say this, and I think you'd even agree with this first one. If somebody broke in the top five, to me, it's Nick Lee. And if I was going to pick another wild card, like a guy that's not in the top ten, uh, I, I, I think maybe Parker, if I had to pick a guy. So I think he's got a good training situation with, uh Gomez and with Metcalf and with St. John. So we need to go deep, deep. But yeah, the picks are identical. I guarantee you we will not be identical at 49 next week. There's just too much variance. But um yeah, that's where we are right now. So that was that was you're you're I was trying not to laugh as you were reading them off. I'm like, oh my God. Like check, 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 check all the way down the list. Well like I said, you know what I, I wrote it down originally and I've I've redone it several times. I, Nick Lee, like I said, Nick Lee is really interesting because he kind of got out horsed a little bit last year. You know, that's how he lost to Zach Roll early in the year. And, you know, you watch that match at NCAAs on the back against Ironman and he just, you know, he's attacking, 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 but Ironman's making him pay over and over again. And it kind of got out of hand. You know, he's not going to stop so if he can just make a little bit of improvement in that strength, you know, another year of maturity, now you have to do that without getting too big for the weight. So that's always a concern, but, you know, he's got the chance to, you know, to be that guy that takes a step forward. And if he does, he's right there to be in the finals. But, you know, that, that top four that I said, Nick Lee, like you said, is top five and, yeah, and then the guy we haven't mentioned much, you know, Josh Albers back for Northern Iowa, he's going to be right there to be an all American. There's, there's a lot of guys that you look at 
for that six, seven, eight, that's going to be a scrap. So that'll be a lot of fun, I think, to watch. Yeah, the four guys that make the semis that we think do, and then you're looking at these matchups, there's there's obviously, you know, and we have a guy like Mason Smith and Luke Karam. You know, those guys all need to, you know, those guys are all very likely could be in that round of 12, whoever Iowa starts, whether it's Turk, Murin, or Happel. I mean, there's, you know, Mikey Carr. I mean, you know, guys are legit, right? So, um, I mean, and, you know, Chad Red. Chad Red's another guy that obviously got it done. And, you know, you feel like can can get on the podium again. You know, he's the one that took Dean Heil out on the back. So, he's got to have confidence coming off of that. And when we end up adding up all our team points, I think Nebraska is going to be sneaky good when you finally figure all that we finally, you know, add all these points up. I think they're one of the best teams that no one's really talking about right now. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, they got a transfer for their one hole that they really needed to fill for next year, you know, in Moise at 125, and they bring Labriola off red shirt, and they were pretty darn solid last year, and they don't lose a whole lot. So, you know, we've, we talked right. about that a few weeks ago, but yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. And I think they'll have some room to grow into their rankings a little bit too at a couple of weights. So could be right. interesting. could be an interesting year in Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah, they feel like they're a top 10 team, and then I think as we do this, we'll add them all up, and then we'll do our, our over-unders and, and our picks on where we think these guys are going to end up for the year as a team. That'll be super interesting. Yeah. Sounds good. You got anything else for this week? No, sir. Um, everything's pretty pretty mellow on this end. Get to stay in town this weekend. So, uh, yeah, everything's good. So, as, uh, 141 was I, – I had a feeling – I just know who you like. I had a feeling you might go with the same guys. So we'll have to try to avoid that if we can going forward. Yeah. Obviously you can tell we didn't rehearse it, but you know, that's, that's okay. Sometimes you pick the same people and that's okay when it happens organically. So, um, you know, this is kind of that time of year. This is one, one last respite before we go high gear for about five months. So relax this week, take a good, take a deep breath. It's coming. (laughs) It's coming. It was almost here. Tell my old bones to take a break, you young bucks. All right. Will do. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for listening. This is Weighing In, signing off.